So the, the Psalms describe life in the real world. I remember an elderly lady who I'd visit regularly. She was a wonderful lady, but she had a disease which was uh, slowly shutting her body down. And every visit, every couple of weeks, you'd notice that she wouldn't be able to do something that she did two weeks before, she could do two weeks before. Um, she just couldn't do it anymore. I don't know of all your experiences and your life story, but afflictions are part of all of our lives in one form or another. When Adam sinned in the garden back in the beginning of time and he took that fruit, from that time on, the whole world uh, bears the weight of the fall. There are afflictions and problems. Life in the real world means there are trials and there's suffering and there's danger. And so it will be in our lives as well. So what are we to make of this as Christians? Is there any hope in affliction, disease, the problems of life? And this is why Psalm, or many Psalms, but particularly a Psalm like this one, is just food for the soul. It lives in the real world. And it takes us to the God who knows the afflictions of the world and in our lives. And in the real world, there is a God who protects his people now and into eternity. So we have three points today. Number one, sheltering in God's protection. Number two, faith in God's protection. And three, calling for God's protection. And so firstly, we see in verses one and two, the main point the psalm writer is really making. He sort of fleshes it out as he goes along. Verse 1 and 2, God, the God of many names is my, our, your refuge. Let me read that. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So notice this is really personal for the psalm writer here. He doesn't tell us who the writer of the psalm is, but it's personal for him. Notice here, he, he says that God is, verse 2, my God. Now, it's something like when I talk about Sarah. I could say that Sarah is a wife, and that would be true. She's a wife. But if I say to someone that Sarah is my wife, that really changes the meaning, doesn't it? It's personal, it's about the relationship that we have. And so when the psalmist speaks of my God, he's speaking about his God. It's not in the abstract out there, it's not God out there, but it's an intimate, personal relationship he has with, with God. And so for us as Christians, like this psalm writer, we have this relationship with God in the Lord Jesus. We who know Jesus know the Father, we know the Spirit, we know the one God. Through Christ, his life and death for us, we have a personal relationship with God. God has made promises to us. He's covenanted, there's a big word, he's covenanted himself to us. He's my God. I am his, a precious child of God. Now, kids, trusting in Jesus means that you can say that God is your God. 
You know God. You are his. He really does care for you. He's your God. So notice these verses that God has many names. It's really striking here in these first two verses. He's the Most High. He is the Almighty. He is the Lord, L-O-R-D, the capital there. It's his personal name. And he is God. Why does the psalm speak of God this way? Because the psalmist wants us to have confidence in who God is. He's the God who is strong. He's the God above all other gods, all others. The God who reveals and makes promises to his people. This is why the psalmist says we can shelter in him. This is why we can have a refuge in God, a fortress. It's because of who he is. At Cradle Mountain, uh, there are all the huts around Dove Lake and you've got the big valley. But up, if you look towards Cradle Mountain, if you can picture it in your mind, up on the left on the mountains up there, there's this one hut called Scott Kilvert Hut. Do you know it? It was built following the tragic death of a school teacher and a student back in the 60s. If you've ever been caught out in a storm before, maybe it's been raining and raining and raining, or maybe it's snowing and really freezing, you know that a storm, a blizzard, can be very dangerous. And so Riverside High School and the Launceston Walking Club uh, built the Scott Kilvert Memorial Hut to provide shelter for bushwalkers stuck up in in a storm in the mountains. And friends, this is what the psalm is saying about God. He's a shelter. He's a refuge where we can find safety. And you get the impression reading this psalm that he's experienced this personally. He's been through heavy things. He talks in this psalm about plague, about war. He sought the refuge of God. And he's beckoning, he's opened the door for us and he's beckoning us to come in, to find shelter, to find security and protection from the storm. So the question is, do we, do our, do we find our refuge in this God? Are we going to him for shelter? Is he our hiding place? For we all find refuge in something or another, don't we? You know, some, maybe you'll go to alcohol, down to the pub to drown your sorrows. Others will turn to food and stress eat, eat all the ice cream. Others will turn in on themselves and their own thoughts and maybe shut the world away. Still others will try and find, you know, an expert on YouTube to go to and uh, to tell you what's wrong with the world. But where this psalm leads us, it's beckoning us to say the only impenetrable fortress that can withstand the storm is God. We're to trust him, for he is the most high, the almighty, the Lord, our God, our fortress, our refuge, our shelter. God is all this for his people. No trial can separate us as Paul says in Romans, can separate us from the love of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The God of many names is our refuge. And so secondly, from verses 3 to 13, we see that we're to have faith in God's protection. I love the the imagery and metaphor that the psalm uses here to describe the many different ways God protects his people. Uh, So the second point is here we're seeing the confidence, the trust, the faith in God. Let me read from verses 3 to 6. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. So this section really describes threats which can just spring up and come on us. The psalmist is confident here in God's protection and deliverance, whatever form the danger might take. And so verse 3, the fowler's snare. Who talks about a fowler's snare anymore? Not many people. But it's like a hunting trap that, that the, the hunter would catch the, the wild birds. Um, now, the bird doesn't expect that the trap will be there, right? But the trap springs. I don't know, it could have been like a rope, I reckon springs and so it is with the many afflictions in life we don't plan for them to come onto us we can't prevent them from coming oftentimes they just spring up they just come and the psalm says god will deliver you from the snare verse 4 god is said to be like a mother bird protecting its young now kids i know the van ingans have chooks you have chooks yeah all right. Have you seen a mother hen gather the chickens under the wings? Have you seen that? You have? What, what do they do? Can you act it out for me, maybe? <laughs> do they sort of lift up their feathers and they all sort of scurry? Like, how many chickens can fit under a mother hen? Dozens? I don't know. It's just amazing. Just watching them gather under the, the wings there. She puffs up and all the chickens sort of scurry in. It's just amazing how many she can fit. And her body, she uses her body to shield the chickens, the little chooks, from attack. And that's what the psalm is talking about here. God shields us. And we can rest in his faithfulness. Unlike me and you, God never backs off from his promises. He never deserts his word and his promise to his people in their time of need. So verse 5, we don't need to fear the terror of the night and the terror of the day, the arrows which fly at us. No, there's so much fear in the world. There's so much fear in the world. And you know this, right? No, because why did everyone buy toilet paper last year? What? Why? We fear everything. Yeah. We fear all sorts of things. We fear pain. Terrors are real and they're to be feared. But for the believer in Christ, we don't have to be afraid. Yes, we can fear. Some fear is good fear and healthy, right? A fear of heights is a good fear. You don't want to just walk along an edge without fear. Fear of danger is good and healthy. 
But what it is saying is that in those times of fear, you can turn to the Lord. It doesn't say the terrors won't happen or we won't face them. It's saying the Lord will not abandon you in them. Even the darkest of dark nights. He never leaves nor forsakes his people. He's there with you as a shield. Verse 6. Disease, pestilence, plague, sickness. Even that isn't outside of God's purview. God protects you even in sickness. You know, COVID's been with us for a while and there was sort of a scare last week, wasn't there, when the case came through the airport. Uh, We don't know if we'll be in lockdown again. Who knows? We don't know how it'll go. We don't know whether we'll get the disease or not. But what God promises is he will protect us in sickness. Verses 7 to 13, the psalm writer gets even more personal. He's speaking of the personal protection we have in Jesus. Verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked because you've made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. All their hand, or on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike a foot against a stone. You'll tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent, you'll trample underfoot. Can you see that the trust that is oozing out of the psalm writer's pen here? These, these verses, they, they, they're full of faith in God. His utter confidence that God will protect him personally. Now, there might be a question that's been bubbling around your mind as we've we've gone along. And if it's been bubbling around your mind as we've gone along, it's been bubbling around my mind as well. Um, It kind of seems like the psalm is saying that nothing bad will happen. Do you get that impression? That nothing bad will happen to God's people? That it's something like a vaccine against COVID? Apparently, Launceston's the most proportionately vaccinated place in Australia. Is the psalm saying that if you're a Christian, then you're not experiencing anything bad in your life? Is is that what this is saying here in the middle section of the psalm? Well, no. No, and why do we know that? Because that's actually how the devil, Satan, takes this psalm when he tempts Jesus in the wilderness. We read it before in Matthew, the devil takes Jesus to the high point of the temple and he says, and I'm quoting, If you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they'll bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You see, the Satan was testing God here. Jesus shows us how to understand what these words mean. It's not that God's promises have failed if we suffer. That's what the devil wants us to think. Being a Christian isn't like a vaccine which eliminates problems from your life or disease. We can't read verse 13, for instance. Verse 13, 
to say that you can go out into the bush and poke a tiger snake and tread on it and that you won't get bitten. That's not what it's saying. Or if you go to the zoo and go to where the lions are kept and you open up the cage and sort of jump in there and tackle a lion, that you'll be fine. No, you'll get eaten. <laughs> That's not what it, say, it says. It's, it's the absolute confidence in God. That's what the psalm is pointing out here. Faith that God protects and ultimately nothing will harm us. But you might reply and say, why bother going to God for refuge then if he doesn't fix my problems in life? Why bother going to God if he doesn't promise he'll take away the bad things in my life? Then why go to him for protection? Well, friends, not all of us will get COVID, but every single one of us will come face to face with God. We all die. Our sin, you see, leaves us in terrible danger. But for the Christian, if you come to God for refuge by faith in the Lord Jesus, then there is protection on that day. Because of Christ and his sin-bearing death for us, there is no condemnation. There's protection. There's no accusation that the devil can throw at you. It just won't stick because of Jesus. These verses, these verses are true. They promise that ultimately no harm will befall us. No plague will come near our tent. That God will protect us. He, he commands his angels to guard you. Paul in the New Testament calls his suffering light and momentary. Wow. And they'll pass away because God will bring healing. God protects. We read Psalms like this as Christians. That's really important. In Jesus, these words make very much sense. In him we have protection. In him there's a protection that the trials and sufferings of the world can't take away. A protection that has eternity in view. The Lord will not abandon you now in your trials. We can have faith in God's protection and so the psalm finishes off with words from God's perspective from verse 14. He's talking in the first, God is speaking to us in the first person here. And here we see that we're to call on God for his protection. We're to ask him to protect us. Verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honour him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So as we finish here today, I just want to highlight verse 15. It says, when he calls to me, I will answer him. And friends, what this is saying to us is God will answer your prayers. Your prayers in that difficult time, God will answer them. You know, this week someone told me of a young man who was diagnosed with cancer uh, in the prime years of his life, a Christian. And as the news spread of his illness in his church, community, his family, uh, the church rallied around him. They prayed for him. They prayed for his wife and family. There were many prayers prayed, but as over time as the young man was dying, there came a sort of prayer fatigue in the church. 
And that can happen, can't it? You can pray for something for healing, and yet the person doesn't get better. Yet at other times, and I'm sure you can testify to this, God's people pray, they call on the Lord, and God clearly answers their prayer for healing. You know, the 90-something-year-old I heard about who recovered through the prayers of his church from a very serious condition, God answered the church's prayers in that situation. Faith, you see, faith isn't that we pray for a set number of hours and God will reward us with a, a healing That's not faith. Faith, you see, prays with confidence, knowing that God will answer. One writer puts it like this. And listen to this. We do not know whether God will answer us by delivering us from the deadly pestilence that stalks us through healing or through the deadly pestilence that stalks us through death and resurrection. You see, God will answer your prayers. He may deliver you from your afflictions now. He does that. He may bring healing now. He may bring protection from your circumstance now. He may rescue out of a difficult situation now. And we should pray for that. But maybe you've seen God answer your prayers in a different way. God answers your prayers even if the suffering keeps on going. He still answers. Verse 15 is very, very helpful. It says, I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. Notice there it says God is with us in the trouble. Even if the trouble keeps going. He's always with you. And so we, in Christ Jesus, we can pray with confidence that God will, notice the the verbs here, God will deliver us. God will protect us, be with us, rescue us, honour us, satisfy us, show us his salvation. These words are ours in the Lord Jesus. So I just want to implore on you, call on the Lord and he will answer. So I heard another story of someone who had just visited his father in hospital. This was years ago now. Uh, His father had fallen suddenly ill and he'd been in a coma for quite some time. And it looks like the man wouldn't make it. And the young man wrote a Facebook post about what he thought was his last visit to his father in hospital. I'm just going to read out the Facebook, Facebook post for you because it's quite remarkable. And I quote, an update on dad. There hasn't been much said in the, in the past few days because things haven't been going well. His sedation was increased on Sunday and they've had him asleep since then. The damage to his lungs is still severe and today mum was told by the doctors that it's 50-50 whether he'll live or die. I'll write this with great anguish and a heavy heart, but not without hope. There is still a hope that he'll make it through this. 
But there is a better hope he has and we have, a hope that does not waver and is 100% certain. That is the hope of eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. Jesus has already removed dad's biggest problem. It's not the deterioration of his lungs, but something more deadly, his sin. Christ has saved him from that. Tomorrow I go down knowing that this may be the last time I see my dad until Christ returns and everything sad is made untrue. So friends, we can pray with faith. When we call on God, he will answer. Whether it's through protection or healing now, we don't know. But ultimately through Christ, we have protection to come. These promises are ours in the Lord Jesus. This psalm invites us to go to God for refuge, to have faith in him and his protection. We can be sure these are true words. Why? Because if Jesus experienced God's personal care and refuge, then so too can you and me. Jesus faced the great adversary, Satan. He was afflicted in so many different ways. And he experienced God's refuge and protection. And if the Lord did not abandon his son, even as he died on that cross, the Lord will not abandon those who are in Christ, even to the grave and beyond. For eternity, he will not abandon you. He will protect you forever. So call on him and he will answer. Let me finish with verse 1 again. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust.